The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Here at The Ranking Show, we talk fantasy football rankings. You know we love football, we love fantasy football, but I also love good music, and I gotta say, I've got a pretty good taste in music. I am super excited for the Black Crows to go back out on tour, something they just announced. I absolutely will be seeing that show. One of my favorite Black Crows songs is Jealous Again, and your friends are going to be jealous of you again if you use the GameTime app to get up to 60% off some Black Crows tickets. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome in to the ranking show here at The Athletic. Week 12 of the NFL season, week 12 of the fantasy football season. Two weeks left in your typical fantasy football regular season. It is definitely time to get some wins. Some of you have already qualified for the playoffs. Congratulations to you. Others need those last wins to maybe get a regular season championship or just to get into the postseason. We're going to help you get those wins, hopefully, right here on this edition of The Ranking Show. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every week by my great co-hosts, the rankings gurus here at The Athletic, Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Uh, guys, how are we feeling? Two weeks left in the regular season. How are your personal leagues going? <laughs> it's going so, great <laughs> for me. I was going to say, actually, it was going great. I should check the Yahoo with the in-house Superflex one that we're in because... That's one of the three leagues I forgot to do waivers. It's that time of the year. It's the, I forgot to do waivers for both my CBS leagues and Yahoo because those are the three leagues that run midnight on Tuesday. And I, I can't believe I forgot all three of them. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple teams that I'm no longer really micromanaging at this point. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple teams where I'm saying I have a chance. And there's a couple teams where I'm okay. But uh, it's been a total mixed bag for me this year. Yeah, I was uh, with there uh, with you there on that too, Jake. I got uh, my waiver. First thing, woke up yesterday morning, got my waivers in in my two most important leagues, just knocked it out and said, all right, I'll circle back to all the rest of these after I'm done with my workday. And once I was done with the workday, just shut the computer, totally forgot about it and uh, woke up this morning realizing that, uh, hey, no Bo Scarborough for me in a lot of those leagues. Uh, here I am. I'm, you know, you know, Jake, how you saying ban the kicker? I'm saying ban Wednesday waivers. I think it should just be universally Thursday. You got a whole day to set your lineup for a Thursday night game. Like, is that too hard to do? I don't think it is. I'll, like, I'll, I, I'll give you Wednesday night. Yeah, or Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. So I'll that, yeah. Flex, Flex runs at 9 p.m. Wednesday night, so that's 6 p.m. West Coast. So you can have your full day of working and get home. The reason I still do like this is why, Brandon. I'm with you, but I prefer Wednesdays because. If you push it to Thursdays, that even hampers trading even more. Like there's so because of these stupid yeah. Thursday games, it really puts a hamper on trying to get trades done in general. Because you either eliminate the people on Thursday or you include them, and then you have to get it done before Thursday night, and it's just it's a headache. Yeah. Okay, I'll sign up. I'll 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 sign the petition for that. I'll go Wednesday we, night. I'm good. <laughs> we all love trading too. I mean, right? We don't want to. We don't want to. There's yeah. already a little there's enough trading enough. as it is in fantasy football. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, next that'll be our thing next year. We'll we'll reconvene, you know, in like June of next year, and we'll really start pushing the uh, the uh, the line of making Wednesday or Wednesday evening waiver runs the industry standard. But until then, let's talk about Week Twelve rankings. You can follow Jake on Twitter at All and Kid. You can get Brandon at Brandon Funston, and I am at M Beller. You can still get forty percent off a subscription to the Athletic by going to the Athletic dot com slash the ranking show that'll also give you access to our subscribers only show every friday that is with me and Derek van riper if you are someone who is not yet a subscriber and you're listening to this on itunes or spotify or wherever first of all thank you second of all please rate review and subscribe makes a big difference for us we'd really appreciate if you've been liking what you've been hearing from the three of us all season if you took that minute or two uh to uh, just rate review subscribe and uh, and check us out there uh, also check out to be honest with jake and d'angelo williams a truly unique show that we have here at the athletic where jake and d'angelo williams go behind the scenes get into the player's brain and uh, get a player's point of view on what is going on uh, in the nfl uh, jake any big highlights from that show recently Dude, it was all quarterbacks this week. It, it was the Kaepernick. It was Tua breaking his leg or breaking his hip. It was is Tom Brady washed. It was the fight that Mason Rudolph had. That was the interesting one, especially. He said, "You know what?" I, he goes, "As a former player, he goes, I think I can say it now. I was just entertained by the fight. Is it okay <laughs> to say that? Like, can you just say like it was entertaining?" And I, it's funny to hear that somebody actually go out there and say, "You know what?" It caught my entertainment, like like it had my you know my attention. So it was, it was a good episode. Every episode is good. It's just stuff you don't expect because it's a player who says what he thinks. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I said, really unique show. You're not going to get anything like that anywhere else. So check out. To be honest with Jake and D'Angelo Williams every single week right here. That subscription will also get you access to Jake's rankings. Where are you like seventh in the Fantasy Pros rankings right now? Uh, I think so because I think it was I moved up one spot. I was eight, yes, yeah, seventh. So. Yeah, here's the, it's killing me though. So maybe we should just skip this section and let Brandon do it. I'm 11th, 8th, and 11th in quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, but I'm like 90th in tight ends. So, and that's what's dragging me down to seven. But I will say this behind the scenes for everybody out there, the gap from first place to 90th is only 23 fantasy points on the season, which I could, could the one week I didn't rank Kittle number one when I thought he was banged up and was, I put him at like five buying like Waller and Andrews and stuff like that, that right there was like 15 fantasy points. So, you know, it's just tight end is tight end. That, that's that's how easily it is to skew. And again, the gap from but, one to 90 is 23 points. That's ridiculously small. It's but is the weight on the tight end position the same as the running back position? Yes. Are they weighted the same each position? Because that seems silly. Yes. So... Yeah, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But the we don't have we don't have the time for you to go off on this tangent, do we? No, no, no. no. Real quick, I'll give everybody a really quick insight because this is valuable for anybody that follows anybody on Fantasy Pros. You know, this other people that are up there, like Josh Boone, friend of the show, friend of the he's been on podcast before with myself. Is they take the what if you put somebody ranked number five and they finish number five, it's a zero gap in fantasy points. You predicted it accurately. If he finishes fifteenth, well, what did the fifteenth best running back score? You ranked them at five, so it's the fantasy points difference by position. So, yes, it's all weighted the same because it's fantasy points, Brandon, but it's much easier to screw up tight end just three spots and have the gap bigger than running back 20 to running back 40. 
All I got out of that was let's ask Brandon about <laughs> tight ends first. I uh, see. That's what we're. <laughs> I, I, that was the simple version. <laughs> uh, well, we've got quite a bit, bit of ways to go here before we get to tight ends. We'll start off with some of your strengths here, Jake. The running back position is going to be first. Uh, last week of buys. So uh, so long to buys after this. It is a big one, however. Vikings, Cardinals, Chiefs, and Chargers. A lot of fantasy talent on those four teams that we are going to be without this week at the running back position the first guy who we have to talk about this week is our latest fab champion Bo Scarborough hasn't worked it didn't work out for Ty Johnson didn't work out for Brian Hill we'll see if Bo Scarborough can break that pattern this week you guys are both at low end RB2 value on Scarborough Jake running back 23 and Brandon running back 25 got 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown last week Uh, we got to believe he's the uh, lead guy in Detroit at this point right Jake but what does that necessarily mean it means his role is actually quote unquote secure because the Lions don't have what Scarborough brings and what Scarborough brings what I wrote about him in the draft profile from two years ago as I said he's a lesser version of Derrick Henry but just picture Derrick Henry and picture that bull of a running back and the guy that you kind of want to get out of the way type of thing, but also at the same time, you can trip him up if he gets before the line of scrimmage and he really gets rolling. Like That's how you stop him. But as you see on this roster, Ty Johnson, while better than Theo Riddick was between the tackles, not really that role. We know McKissick's not that role. You go down the list, there's nobody on this team that fills that role. So you're going to get probably 12 as the floor. I'd say peak 16, 17. It's going to be majority carries, probably nothing in the passing game, but he's going to be the goal linebacker. So you know what his role is. And this is like the LeGarrette Blunt when he was there. And I think the LeGarrette Blunt when he was there is the good side of it, but understanding it's even a little bit better because he's fresher, younger, more powerful at this point to where LeGarrette Blunt was the last time he played. But Again, it's Patricia, so McKissick's going to have his role, and Ty Johnson will probably be used a little bit more than he was last week with this first game back. Just understand that's the cap, and I think that's probably why Branham has around the same spot I do. Yeah, I think his his absolute ceiling is what we saw last week, which was kind of 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. I don't I don't look at this matchup and go, oh boy, this is, this is game on uh, for Bo Scarborough. He has no PPR juice. Uh, this game is, I believe, Detroit is a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and this is like a 41 over-under, so not a ton of offense. And, you know, Washington's only really, really bad in fantasy because they get run on more than anybody else in the league because, uh, you know, because they're behind. And so you have to feel really good about Detroit just owning this game for Detroit to get a whole lot of volume. This hasn't been a, a very lucrative rushing team at all. And the 55 yards from Scarborough last week were the second highest rushing total by a Lions running back this year. Kerryon Johnson had one game over 100 yards, which which is, stands out as an anomaly this year, which is funny for a team that wanted to be the most run-heavy team in the league. They just don't, they're just not very well set up for it. So I feel like Scarborough's – I mean, it's a really bad week. Once you get outside the top 24 or so, like I don't want any of those guys. And I guess Scarborough's kind of just like one of the last hanger-ons of the guys that I would be like, okay, I can play him because he probably has a decent chance to do what he did last week. Yeah, line's actually a little bit bigger of a favorite than you said, Brandon. Three and a half at Washington, but uh, the points you make uh, still well taken there, certainly. And I think you guys are at about the right spot. Uh, low end RB two for Bo Scarborough, hoping he can break that pattern of uh, these fab guys who haven't come through immediately. I think Scarborough maybe has a chance to do that with the Lions being favored in DC. Now let's move on to a guy who has disappointed fantasy owners the last two weeks. I've certainly been uh, among them, Devin Singletary, uh, since becoming the guy 
quote, in Buffalo over the last two games, just 117 yards on 23 carries. He hasn't found the end zone, been right about running back 30 in those two games combined. You guys are obviously, with good reason, higher than that on him this week. Again, another one where you are virtually the same. Jake at RB18, Brandon at RB19. Brandon, do you find any silver lining in what he's done the last two weeks? Uh, I find silver lining in a 6.1 yards per carry average, you know, which is you look at running backs with 50 plus carries. That's like better than a, than a half yard over anybody else. Uh, I like the silver lining of almost 17 touches per game the last three games that, you know, you look at the three games before uh, last week and he was targeted 17 times total, which I believe was top five over that span. So there's. You know, I'm ranking him because, you know, with the bye week, there's probably four running backs that I would normally rank ahead of him this week that are out. And so I look at, yeah, it's a kind of a tough matchup against Denver, but I look at his ability to make big plays and the fact that he's getting right at 17 touches per game. And I'm going to roll the dice on that, that maybe he pops for one of these and uh, maybe they get him back in the passing game after a week off of, of not really utilizing that aspect. I just think that there's, you know, the more the ball's in his hands, uh, the more something good can happen, even against a tough defense like Denver. So I'll, I'll, like I said, roll the dice on him for that reason. And I'm not super excited, but I'll liken it to the other side of the ball. I kind of think this is just, hey, you know what? Let's compare Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And who do you want? You want the more explosive one, the one used in the passing game. Could it be a low game because the touches might be 12? And, you know, if it doesn't get a big play, it could be a quiet day. Absolutely. But I think this is a perfect example. It's just look at the other side of the ball, and that's how I consider this backfield at this point. Yeah, it feels fair, and it feels like that's the uh, the way Sean McDermott is uh, is looking at them as well. Uh, 23 carries uh, it hasn't necessarily been what you wanted it to be. He also got nine targets, so at least the work has been there for Devin Singletary. We know three weeks ago was when he had his big breakout game. You said it, Brandon. Sort of a tough matchup with Denver. Buffalo four-point favorites at home with the Broncos coming to town. Kareem Hunt, the next running back who I want us to talk about here, right in that Bo Scarborough range for you guys. Jake at RB25 and Brandon at running back 22. He's been uh, almost a running back in name only since uh, returning, since making his Cleveland debut. 17 targets in his two games in a Browns uniform, has caught 13 of them for 90 yards while playing 55% of the team's snaps. We know that uh, Cleveland has that dream matchup with Miami, 10.5 point favorites. Jake, we'll go to you. How much of this is Hunt in his role? How much of this is matchup? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with both, honestly. And we've seen now that Hunt is going to turn Nick Chubb. So that Pat Mayo was showing him. Pat was like, Nick Chubb is basically Derrick Henry now. I was like, he's not that bad because he's a better player and he can do more than just run straight line and then just bowl people over. But he's right in the aspect of the fact that the passing game work is now one or two catches a game. And that's all the rest is Hunt. And Hunt's going to sprinkle in a few carries. So I think if you look at that and you look at the ability – this is one of the few teams where, you know, if Nick Chubb goes down, we talk about high end handcuffs to make sure you own Madison and make sure you own Tony Pollard. There is, this is the one situation where if Chubb went down, you just re, you've replaced him with Chubb. Like Kareem Hunt deserves to be in the same conversation as Nick Chubb does. And they both deserve to be in the top five conversation as talent. So if you told me Nick Chubb was going to be in a backup role, I'd be just as excited. I think that's why, but then you also look at this matchup and this could be easily a game that's out of hand where, Chubb doesn't necessarily get his passing game work, but maybe he gets a few extra carries because let's protect Chubb and kind of split the work down a little. I think either way, it doesn't necessarily even have to be passing game work. Hunt's going to get about 30% of the work now. 
Yeah, I think you said Chubb a couple times in there when you meant Hunt, as in that maybe they'll give Hunt a few more carries in this game because, um, right? Or, That's what yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's like yeah. Yeah, but I, I know what you're saying, and that's and I might end up end up by the time Sunday rolls around, even hit you know pushing Hunt to that top twenty or slightly inside because I really think look at you, Nick Chubb, the last two weeks, uh, he has averaged twenty four and a half touches. Only two of those touches were catches. He had forty seven carries to two catch, you know. So he's been he's been toting the ball a lot the last two weeks, and isn't this why you? got Kareem Hunt so you could kind of uh, have somebody to help absorb the workload down the stretch and keep your guys fresh. And I think Cleveland thought, hey, we're going to be a playoff team. And they're not out of it yet. But, man, what a week to really give Nick Chubb a break. And, you know, I could see this being a game where Kareem Hunt gets the first double-digit carry load of, you know, of his time since he's been back, plus also getting all the receiving work. And maybe Nick Chubb is – you know, sitting on the sidelines uh, with Gatorade in his hand for a lot of the second half. So, um, yeah, this game sets up very well for Kareem Hunt uh, to get a lot more work than he, we, we've seen him get so far and for Nick Chubb to take a break. Yeah, definitely uh, has that feeling uh, coming into this one. Again, the Browns uh, believe, yeah, they are the uh, the biggest favorite, just narrowly edging uh, the Saints who are laying nine and a half points, at least as you, uh, the three of us sit here on Wednesday recording this show at home against the Panthers. Uh, Browns, ten and a half point favorites at home against Miami this week. Could lead to more work than we've already seen for Kareem Hunt. One more running back who I want to talk about, a guy who really disappointed people last week. We all thought, or at least a good group of us, uh, myself included, thought, finally, this is the week for Miles Sanders. No Jordan Howard, a team that is desperate for some explosiveness in the passing game. Sure, the matchup's tough with New England, but what more can they hope for? They got to get Miles Sanders more work, and uh, they got him a decent amount of work 11 carries and four targets. All that it got was 47 yards from scrimmage. However, Miles Sanders coming back against the Seahawks as Jake's RB26 and Brandon's RB17. A nice divergence of opinion. We'll start with you, Brandon. Make the argument for Miles Sanders as a top 20 running back in Week 12. Well, so first of all, I'm ranking as if Jordan Howard's not playing. I don't know if Jake's ranking the same way. I think if Jordan Howard plays, I'm probably going to move him down to about RB26. But, I mean, man – you look at this. Uh, you look at this Eagles offense, and you know that the Patriots were going to be able to shut down Miles Sanders because they were so they were so compacted. I mean, they got no juice in the in the passing game. Zach Ertz had a nice day, but uh, you know Bel- Belichick's a master of of scheming to take away the, the most dangerous weapon. I, I'm guessing he thought that was probably going to be Miles Sanders. But I look at the Seattle defense, and you can absolutely torch them uh, through the air in the running back position. We've seen. Uh, Alvin Kamara and David Johnson have 90 yards receiving against the Seahawks. We saw Devonta Freeman a a few weeks ago have over 60 yards. And if, uh, you know, I just think this could be a really big day in the passing game for him. uh, If, if Jordan Howard doesn't play and, and, you know, 11 carries is nice workload, but it wasn't a lot. And maybe he gets a little bit more this week. So I, I see good upside for big play potential against the Seattle Seahawks defense that I don't see against the New England Patriots defense. Yeah, I will make this one quick and easy for me. This is, as of right now, Jordan Howard is in my rankings, and Jordan Howard's higher than he is right now. So he will move up if Jordan Howard is out. Simple enough. I don't know if he'll be. I'm sure he'll be somewhere around where Brandon Fonston has him. I don't know why I include your last name in that. <laughs> I like that. Though. Yeah. For the get him, record. Get him confused with all the other Brandons on the show. 
Who's your favorite Brandon <laughs> yeah. on the show? Brandon Funston or Brandon Allen or Brandon Lloyd? <laughs> oh, Brandon Lloyd. Oh, that's a good call. It definitely got to be Brandon Lloyd. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Sorry, no, I get it. Gumby, I, I get it. <laughs> uh, hey, we're on the take a chance portion of the of the show here, at least at the running back position. Running backs to take a chance on. We will let our Brandon Funston take this one first. I will quickly throw out three names because I know none of them are Jake's guys. So I think Darius Geis uh, in in a in a nice n- nice matchup against Detroit this week probably gets a few more opportunities. Uh, you know, after last week, kind of coming back in his return, I would say. Jordan Wilkins, who is now off the injury report. You know, everybody's hot on Jonathan Williams as the free agent pickup. Jordan Wilkins, not on the injury report now. I would expect him to be the lead back. Uh, he's been the backup to Marlon Mack for a long time now and and would probably, if he's clear health-wise, would probably make sense most for him to lead the, the way in that Colts backfield. And then Jalen Samuels, even if James Conner plays, uh, this is Cincinnati, both James Conner and Jalen Samuels had eight catches against the Bengals last time they played. Samuels also had uh, 10 carries in that game, and, and I believe he got into the end zone as well. Yeah, and you guys complain that I'm the one that always like skirts the rules and changes the question. Like, give me one, and you know, you, this I'm the guy that's supposed to do that. I'm, what are you I doing, just, I'm just a giver. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm just trying to give. You know, no, no, no. You, like I'm going to change the question to be what I wanted to be. No, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to go with Patrick Laird. I wrote about him in the waiver column. I wrote him again in the sleeper column, and it's mostly for the fact that like, what more? Like, I know the Dolphins are two things. What they're not playing for this year, but they're obviously playing for themselves and they're obviously not tanking because tanking is not a thing as we've seen from their two wins. Now the team that could have had the first pick easily back uh, with, I mean, it's going to be them or the Bengals. So I'm looking at it. I'm saying Kalen Balaj, well, they had to get rid of Mark Walton, his situation, you know, they're going to promote and it looks like it's going to be Gaskin, but between Gaskin and Laird and Kalen Balaj, I mean, Laird's already proven it. He proved it as an undrafted free agent in preseason. He proved that last week that he, 37 fewer snaps than Balaj, and he turned one carry, six targets into six catches for 58 yards, outproduced Kalen Balaj by a mile by getting 37 fewer snaps. I cannot see the Dolphins letting the disparity be that big again, but at least here's the good part. Patrick Laird is the passing game option. This week, they should be behind. It should be more Patrick Laird this week. And you've got at least a competent quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick who is not shy about taking shots. As you said, the six targets that he took to Patrick Laird this week, got to believe that he earned some trust of his quarterback. Those are our guys to take a chance on our injury guys to keep in mind the rest of the week. Uh, Devontae Freeman, not likely to play, but just uh, watch what's happening there in Atlanta. Probably going to be another week without Freeman, at least though with his foot injury. Uh, Jordan Howard, as we already discussed with the shoulder that caused him to miss a game last week. That's when you're going to want to watch close both Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders owners on that one. James Conner still dealing with his shoulder issue as well. Pittsburgh visits Cincinnati in week 12. And then finally, Matt Breida with his ankle injury. That one could be further complicated by the fact that San Francisco plays on Sunday night football against the Packers. You might not have the full information that you want when you have to make your starts at decisions. Pay attention to San Francisco's practice reports the rest of the week. Let's move on to the wide receiver oh, position. Real quick. Oh, geez. Not, okay, go not, ahead. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm changing the rules. Well, no, because it's not a running back, but it's related. Uh, while I'll probably not move Sanders up as high as Brandon is because Lane Johnson sounds like he's out. Oh, and yep. the Eagles, I'll, I'll say one thing. The Eagles, Carson Wentz, the passing game, the running backs, everything. I said this on the throwback. 
it looks painful to get things done. Like even when something works, it looks like they struggled so hard just to make something work that with no Lane Johnson, I'm still going to be a little more hesitant on Miles Sanders. And correct me if I'm wrong, but those their 10 points came before the Johnson injury, didn't they, against New England? Yeah, I, th- I know at least the the one score did. I don't know if both did. Yeah. So. I honestly don't know why they were just, just selling out to the pass so much when Sanders was almost four yards a carry and they were only a touchdown down. I agree. That, that passing game looks so awful and deliberate. And uh, Carson Wentz just off the mark and, and making nothing happen, you know? So I – they need to get Sanders involved more, man, for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> Would love been begging for that for about 10 weeks now. So uh, hopefully it maybe happens here in week 12. Now we're ready to move on to the wide receiver position. And I want to start with Terry McLaurin, a guy who you guys uh, are a little bit different on here. Jake much higher at running uh, wide receiver 26, Brandon down at wide receiver 36. We know the Lions matchup that he has this weekend is one that plenty of wide receivers this season have taken advantage of. Just go back to last week and what Dallas did. Obviously, Dwayne Haskins is not Dak Prescott, but Terry McLaurin did have 69 yards on three catches a week ago with Haskins getting the start. Jake, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, why so much higher than Brandon? Why you got him as a what pretty comfortable wide receiver three this week? Yeah, well, there's a couple factors here. And to go back to last week, and I talked about on the DFS show that I do too, it smashed Michael Gallup everywhere last week, seasonal and DFS, because the reason the Lions look pretty good is because they just get obliterated by number twos. So as we're, well, I'll say it for people we're going to take a chance on. Uh, so uh, looking at this game, Terry McLaurin, look, I understand. And I am one of the people who says Darius Slay deserves respect as one of the better corners in the league. Oh, Terry McLaurin moves around. Darius Slay moves around. Now, if Darius Slay shadows him the entire game, I understand the downside. I think he can get away from him enough. And I know Dwayne Haskins looks miserable and he's basically out there like Joe Flacco averaging about four yards per attempt. And it's just, it's terrible, but the connection was there. It's still there with Terry McLaurin. And he has the ability that not only the, the catch, but it's after the catch. And the one thing Dwayne Haskins does, as I've said time and again, already, which doesn't need time for development, is when he does connect with his wide receivers, he does it where they have a big opportunity for yards after the catch. So, it's the Lions. They do give up some big plays to wide receivers. I understand Slay is a concern, but I can't knock him out of the wide receiver three group. Well, you kind of just, you know, while talking him up, you somehow managed to say all the negatives uh, that he has going for him. I think Darius <laughs> yeah. Slay will shadow, will shadow him as much as he possibly can. I mean, he's only really had good fancy days with Case Keenum so far. Uh, last week, he had 69 yards on just four targets, and most of it came out, I believe, was about a 40-yarder that was an incredibly high degree of difficulty catch. And uh, yes, Terry McLaurin's the kind of talent that can make those catches, but that's kind of where he's at. We liked the matchup last week against the Jets, and we thought, oh, you know what, with the Jets and this, this defense, Haskins should be able to have time to throw. And that was very close to a, a almost give-you-nothing kind of game, if not for that big play. So uh, I still have my hesitations because of the quarterback situation, because he wasn't really highly targeted last week. Um, in a game that's set up at least as well as this one. Again, I think it sets up worse this week because he will get Darius Slay as much as possible. So I'm leery about him, uh, you know, by a considerable margin over Jake. Yeah, not one of the uh, better games on the slate from just a pure football standpoint. Detroit and Washington both headed to another season without the playoffs uh, in Washington. 
Detroit three and a half point favorites. We'll see what Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin uh, can do as they head into their stretch run of the season. Debo Samuel, another rookie wide receiver who has found some success this season. His success much more recently, the last two weeks, 16 catches on 21 targets for 200. 46 yards, finally breaking through in this San Francisco offense. Last week, he did it alongside Emmanuel Sanders. Of course, both of these weeks where he's had some big games have been without George Kittle. We're not quite sure if he's going to be able to return for San Francisco against the Packers. A huge game in the NFC, major playoff implications in that one. Jake at wide receiver 33 on Samuel and Brandon at wide receiver 28. Uh, Brandon, it feels to me like this might be a guy who moves uh, a bit because of all the questions that maybe get answered over the next 48 hours for the 49ers. Yeah, I you know what I looked at this one as okay, George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders both dealing with stuff. Uh, both could play, both couldn't play. Uh, why don't I split the difference and rank it as if one of them well and one of them won't? And so yeah, I think if they both play, I'd probably move Samuel down a little bit. If neither play, I might even move him up. You know, two three spots. I look at uh, we love the talent. And then we've seen the last couple of weeks, we love the the workload opportunity with double digit targets in each one. And the guy's just a, a warrior. He's got something going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. The matchup's not great, but you think, you know, this is probably a game where there's a de- decent amount of throwing the ball. So, like, I, I can easily feel comfortable with an argument where Debo Samuel ends up in the top 30. If Kittle and Samuels both play, he's probably, you know, maybe more to where Jake has him ranked at 33, where I'm 28. I could probably move him to that back end of the wide receiver three spot for that reason. But one, one other really quick thing to say is it's Sanders, it's Kittle, it's Samuel, and it's nobody else anymore. Like it's just those guys, all the other noise with Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin and everyone's about Kendrick. Yeah, he splashes a touchdown, but like when it comes to just moving the ball up and down the field, it's just oh, those absolutely, guys. yeah. So yeah. Kittle is still sidelined as we're recording this today, so that's sounding even worse. But this is with me just having Emmanuel Sanders, and I I don't know that I'm moving him up much more because I go back to what I say a lot of times is the fact that just because you're the number one with nobody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a terrific opportunity because how many times have we seen that? And I'm not saying this for you, Brad. I'm just saying in general, do you throw these out there is how many times have we seen Tyler Boyd have the opportunity this year and fail? And how many times have we seen other opportunities like James Washington this week? Is he really going to succeed as being the only focus of the defense? And there's a lot where receivers can't when they're asked. Zach Pascal has been asked. Zach Pascal is fine. And then T.Y. Hilton's completely out, and all of a sudden Zach Pascal's shut down because wide receivers aren't always equipped to do it. I love Debo Samuel. I talked about in the draft class that he was one of my favorites, despite the fact that he had that stupid answer, which I told you guys about before, that he didn't know what his most underrated skill was. But he's great. He's great after the catch. The concern I do have is you beat the Packers on the ground, not via the pass. If he's getting the attention, even with so, if Sanders is out there, he's still going to get some attention at some point from Alexander. Uh, if you talk about this game, Tremont Williams, Kevin King, they have a nice trio back there. It's not like run for the hills Patriots, but it's worrisome enough that this is a game that the two biggest games that we've seen from Garoppolo in this passing offense has been against the Cardinals. So I'm not ready to 100% buy in, and that's why I don't have them quite as high as uh, Brandon does. All right. Yeah, I want to say really quickly, though, the the nice thing about Debo, to Jake's point, though, the last two weeks is he's basically, you know, stepped up 
kind of in a monster way with Kittle. And then when Sanders uh, went out in in game in both of those games, and it might be a little bit different if defense knows that that Sanders is going to be out, you know, and they're scheming that way going in. So, uh, but it is at least heartening a little bit to your point in which you say, which, you know, a number two has to be elevated to a number one doesn't always work out as more for them. Um, At least Samuel has done that in game uh, with uh, success. We'll see. I had such a good transition, Brandon, and then you had to drive, chime in with that. Oh, you I'm did that sorry. For me last week, remember? Hey, hey, you're the producer. You're the producer. You can just pretend I never said it, and you can just cut that out. You were. You're totally right, Jake. Brandon Lloyd is the favored Brandon of the ranking show. <laughs> There's no question. I'm probably, I'm I'm probably Brandon Ruth in now. front of him at this point. <laughs> what I was going McManus even? <laughs> no. No kickers allowed. I don't no think. Yeah. <laughs> F that stuff. <laughs> What I was going to say was that if the Packers aren't the Patriots and there's not that sort of same sort of concern for Debo Samuel, is there that concern for Randall Cobb with the Cowboys ah, going go. up against the Patriots this week? Jake, you're at wide receiver 34. Brandon down at wide receiver 40 on Randall Cobb. Three big games over the last three weeks. 16 catches, 256 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't have a huge game three games ago, but he did get eight targets in that game. So he's been a big part of this passing attack for the last three weeks. Uh, uh, Jake, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, Where we feel with with Randall Cobb, at least in terms of this matchup with the Patriots, how he fits in alongside Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Well, so here wait, I got a question actually for Brandon before I do it. Did you end up editing my article or was it Nando? Uh, I think it was Nando for this one. Nothing about Randall Cobb okay. jumps out in my memory. Okay, that's good. And so here I'll, I'll see if we can get we'll get see. Maybe Brandon will come up to my level here. We'll find out. Not level as in your your subpar. No, you, you want to know if I'll, I'll, <laughs> if I'll move Cobb up. And why so here, I, here's what I said in the sleepers portion. Randall Cobb is in the sleepers portion. You don't do much against the Patriots. That's 100% true. The one wide receiver touchdown all year. However, the one wide receiver touchdown and the five best performances against the Patriots, here are the names. Golden Tate, who had the touchdown. Cole Beasley, Juju Smith-Schuster, John Brown, Jarvis Landry. John Brown's the only one that doesn't line up in the slot. If you're going to attack the Patriots, you're going to do it out of the slot. You're going to do it with Randall Cobb. We know Gilmore is going to be all over Amari Cooper and whoever else or the rest of them are going to be shutting down Michael Gallup or eliminating him to. So the opportunity and if Randall Cobb's been playing as well as he has and Dak Prescott can find him six, seven times target wise, uh, Randall Cobb deserves. He's only a wide receiver three. It's not like I have him that high. So there you go, Brandon, come up to my level, but also move your player higher. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I might split the difference. I might I might try to maybe, you know. I mean, it's not a bad point, but you're talking about guys that are getting, you know, five for 65 as, as like the, you know, top five performance kind of a deal. Um, Right. Which makes you a wide receiver three. Yeah, maybe it does. Maybe it does. It's a tough matchup. That's really why I ranked Randall Cobb down. Uh, If if Amari Cooper doesn't sound like he's super, super healthy, hasn't made like significant gains, it probably means even, even more. uh, So that's going to be Randall Cobb. So yeah, I I probably have a couple spots. Can I give you guys something? We're also, you know, in the wide receiver three world, not, not right. too far apart, but give so me this something. is one of those things. We, well, we talk about it all the time. Well, at least I do it. I say, you know, sometimes I say, hey, if you're making a call and it's within spots of each other in my rankings and you say your gut tells you something, I just had this feeling that this is going to be the Dak Prescott is the first team 
to like surprise and actually put up some significant points on the pages. I don't know why. There's no there's no reason. There's no analytical reason no matter how, fo- how much football I watch, but I just have this feeling for some reason that Dak's going to put like at least two scores on him. Hey, uh, you know, this week uh, on the Advanced Route uh, show Emery Hunt and I do together, uh, we talked about uh, three big games this week, Patriots-Cowboys being one of them, and he's got the Cowboys pulling off the win. Wow. Ooh. Oh, that don't even feel better. Emery's a genius. I'll just say that. So. <laughs> it's funny because Dak Prescott's, you know, the argument against Dak is that he's faced uh, – Every team has been below average against the pass, except for one team. Yes. But the funny thing is, it was against the Packers, and he went ham against them. So, uh, you know, you can say, oh, he's only faced one good pass defense, but he also, uh, you know, burned them, torched them. So uh, I, can think of a, I can think of a team that's only faced one good pass offense and got burned by them. I guess they got, they got more Patriots. burned on the ground, but yeah, Patriots. the New England Patriots. <laughs> that's right. So, that's right. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. No, uh, he threw for touchdowns. There just wasn't a ton of yards. But hey, Lamar yeah. Jackson doesn't need to throw for a ton of yards. He he ran yeah. for two, and right, and Ingram ran for one, and they put up thirty-seven. Yeah. So they certainly got going, and this is going to be, I think, the second best offense that the Patriots have seen this season. Very excited for Cowboys and Patriots this week. Um, uh, Devontae Parker, do we want to talk about him, or should we just go to the next guy? I'll leave this one up to you guys. I will for one reason. Okay. Not for this not, not for this matchup, but in my APA, which you asked me about a lot, the adjusted points allowed for I actually have the playoff schedule coming up. Guess which wide receiver has the best schedule the rest of the way? The last four games for the Dolphins, Philly, Jets, Giants, Bengals. If you didn't want Devontae Parker before, you better want him after that. That's a bingo. That's a Yahtzee. Whatever you want. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> whatever whatever uh, like, bingo. Whatever uh on board game invented in the 1930s you want to reference exactly <laughs> yango <laughs> all right well that's enough that's enough on Devonte parker uh just for the record uh, jake's got him wide receiver 22 and brandon wide receiver 21 for this week's game with the browns one wide receiver who i do want to talk about so we are going to talk about is curtis samuel a guy who uh has had me scratching my head quite a bit this season uh, the touchdowns have been there in spurts, but no more than five catches in a game this season. No 100-yard games this season. We know DJ Moore is you know, more the wide receiver one for Carolina than Samuel is. Jake, you're at wide receiver 21. Brandon at wide receiver 30. Um, I, we'll start with you on this one, Jake. How do you figure out Curtis Samuel on a week-to-week basis? You don't. The, the high of five is also the low of three. It's three, four, three, 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 four, five. Foot. Like it's all threes and fours and fives this this season so far. I will say here's the opportunity: is that Marshawn Lattimore, if he plays, is a concern, but it's a concern for DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I don't think he's going to shadow either one of them because different styles, but both similar upsides. If you let them kind of run free on somebody else, which that's where I'm going with is the fact that Curtis Samuel, or DJ Moore should get off Lattimore. And then this is even better if there is no Lattimore, because then we know you get Eli Apple and PJ Williams and the rest of the crew out there. It really comes down to the Saints defense deserves respect overall also. But if they're going to push the pace, I don't think everybody should be hating on Kyle Allen. Now, this is coming from somebody who said Cam Newton deserves the the job as soon as he comes back. Kyle Allen looked miserable decision making last week, still threw for 300 yards. He's still somebody that Three weeks ago, people were calling for, oh, Cam Newton's done. He's toast. He's whatever. Kyle Allen can still go out and throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns in this game. And if he throws somewhere around there, there's a good chance that Curtis Samuel has a good chunk of it, even with Christian McCaffrey getting it. Like, I mean, essentially, Christian McCaffrey's their number one wide receiver. 
this is just rolling the dice that he's going to be a wide receiver too. Cause I I'm with you, Michael. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of upside. If you look at the game log, uh, there's just one game over 70 receiving yards. It's kind of been a touchdown dependent run for him. And the matchup, even if it's Eli Apple, I mean, Apple hasn't been terrible. And you look at, uh, you know, I think his metrics are pretty comparable to Lattimore, but if you look at last year, Apple took Curtis Samuel a lot and, uh, it was like 45 yards per game and he scored one touchdown. So a half a touchdown. I just, you know, to me, I can see him as a, as a wide receiver three this week. I cannot get myself uh, to, you know, even if there's no Lattimore and now Williams is playing outside again, maybe if there's no Lattimore, but I, I kind of would just, from what I was looking at, I kind of felt like there was a better chance he would play than he wouldn't. So I, I ranked it as if Lattimore was going to play. Well, that's, uh, that's, one of those another uh, ancillary injuries to to watch this week. Keep an eye on Marshawn Lattimore word. and those Saints practice reports. If you are thinking about Curtis Samuel, obviously you're not thinking about DJ Moore. You are playing DJ Moore if you have him. A wide receiver who we're going to take a chance on this week. Brandon, we'll start with you. Uh, well, Jake mentioned him already, Zach Pascal. Maybe T.Y. Hilton plays this week. The matchup's good against Houston. Uh, and let's not forget Pascal. Had his best game of the year, 106 yards, two touchdowns against Houston. That was with Hilton in the lineup. So uh, I would be willing to roll the dice. I actually might like it a little better with Hilton in the lineup as opposed <laughs> to him not being in the lineup. But uh, yes. that's something to watch. One of those ancillary injuries to watch as well. What well, is this? The word of the day is ancillary? I uh, well, Michael started here? it. So, yeah. <laughs> Amen. You, you're required to use it once per, uh, <laughs> per host. So. so, I don't know how the athletic feels about it, but somebody <laughs> took right out of my column and said, interesting from Jake's article and pulled out two sentences. And I mean, I mean, again, I don't know how they're like, I don't know if they're happy that people are just they taking put it in quotes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He gave me credit and he said, Jake brought this up and it's from. Yeah, you know, it's from the athletic, but it's still, you know, you're taking stuff behind the paywall. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I was making a side. I would like that someone just, just writes an article on another site where they just quote you the whole way through. Like <laughs> that happened in Ondo one time, but they didn't quote him. They just straight pulled stuff out of his article. But anyway, so this is, he, I'll give you the, the tweet. I'll just, how about that? Surprising Logan Ryan stat per all in kid. So what I wrote this week is that out of cornerbacks with at least 50% of the snaps in slot coverage, no one allows as many yards per snap as Logan Ryan does. 2.29 yards per snaps over the past five weeks. He's also in the top five on the season. The only two that are behind him. So the one guy, the next closest, that's two point, we'll round it up to 2.3 so it sounds nicer so you can do the quick math. The next closest, I'm rounding up from 1.88 to 1.9. 0.4, that's a huge gap when you're talking about yards per snap. He has been obliterated in the slot. D.D. Westbrook lines up in the slot. Uh, Chris Conley barely outsnapped him last week. Looked like the number two. And definitively looks like he is the number two right now. But I think D.D. Westbrook's good enough in this kind of opportunity when actually the Titans have decent outside corners is that D.D. Westbrook could make some hay this week. We'll see if uh, the Jaguars can make a little bit more hay than they did against the Colts last week. Nick Foles getting his second game back from injury and just a... Maybe uh, he'll get an ancillary touchdown. Uh, <laughs> that, can a touchdown be ancillary? Nice. I don't know. I think you, you I sort just, of, no, I'm just sort of use it that one. <laughs> that one in there. <laughs> uh, if, if you do end up going with, uh, with, with Brandon's guy and Zach Pascal, just a reminder, the Colts are playing Thursday night football tomorrow night against the Houston Texans. Injuries we're going to be watching the next few days. Let's start with that Thursday night game. Will Fuller and his hamstring. T.Y. Hilton and his calf. Just saw T.Y. Hilton officially listed as 
questionable. So at least you'll know uh, before you have to set your entire lineup if you've got T.Y. Hilton in or out. A.J. Green and Auden It works Tate. because the touchdown would like be an addition to how good his day is going to be. So it's ancillary. <laughs> See, I'm really, wor- I'm really forcing it in there. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just think about a way to go look at our quarterbacks we're going to talk about. Think about a way to work it in with one of them. Um, uh, AJ Green and Auden Tate, both unlikely to play for the Bengals this week. Brandon Cooks back at practice. Does sound like he will be able to make his return from uh, his concussion issues for the Rams. And they desperately need that vertical element that he brings to the table. Robert Woods missed last week's game, uh, sudden inactive because of personal reasons. So something to watch, see if we get any information from the Rams there. Philip Dorsett also suffered a concussion last week. Patriots and Cowboys kicking off in the late window on Sunday, one of just two late window kicks this weekend. Sterling Shepard back at practice. Sounds like he is finally going to be cleared to make his return after concussion issues have dogged him for about a month or so now. Alshon Jeffrey, as we already discussed, still dealing with his ankle injury. Juju Smith-Schuster has both concussion and knee issues. Mike Tomlin saying it's more the concussion than the knee that could cost him this week's game. Emmanuel Sanders has his ribs issue. Uh, Didn't seem to bother him too much last week, but just something to watch. Debo Samuel uh, suffered a shoulder injury in that game for the 49ers was able to return to it in game but still something that they are monitoring this week and finally Tyler Lockett if you'll remember last time we saw him had that very scary leg injury that ultimately landed him in the hospital Pete Carroll sounds optimistic that he is going to be able to play this week but watch those Seattle practice reports over the next couple of days now we move on to the quarterback position and the first guy I want to ask you about is Baker Mayfield guys uh, we've had to wait for what 11 12 weeks for Baker Mayfield but maybe maybe this is the week that we've been waiting for Browns hosting the Dolphins you guys are both uh, in the top 10 on Baker Jake just barely at QB 10 and Brandon at QB 8 uh, Brandon is this the week? Is this the big Baker, big Cleveland passing game week that we've been waiting for? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? It may, it may not be just because of if this, you know, if if Cleveland gets ahead, you know, they have two really good running backs and they just might want to salt away this victory without going too crazy. But I think Baker Mayfield can do enough uh, with the amount of throws he's going to be afforded to to have a top 10 game. And look, at he's he's been top 10 the last two weeks against Buffalo and Pittsburgh. I'm not going to rank him outside my top 10 going against Miami. Uh, as you have in the notes here, the seventh most fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. And hey, he gets David and Joku back, uh, you know, making his return since week two. He's been out with the, uh, what was it, a broken hand? Um, oh, something, something like that. But uh, yeah, wrist. adds a little. It was his wrist. It was his wrist. There you go. It's, it's attached to the hand. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel good about him. I, I, I think the, you know, the potential for them to kind of go conservative late kind of pulls me back a little bit from just kind of ratcheting him up into like the top six this week. So maybe down to QB ten where I have him. Says something more out. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold at QB eight. You know what you did that entire time? You didn't even bring up revenge game for Jarvis Landry. So you know, oh the, yeah, you know. I actually have read that. I didn't even you know, it's so far removed. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> like this is definitely the opportunity, but yeah, that's the downside is. Baker Mayfield might throw one touchdown in 230 yards, not because he has a bad day, but just because he doesn't need to do more against the Dolphins. So that's the downside. That's the concern. But the problem is, is outside the top 10, and I have Baker Mayfield inside my top 10, it gets very dicey very quick because of inexperience, one, turnovers, two, and then the people who'd have decent you know, quarterback ability are in bad matchups. 
Well, let's talk about uh, one of those quarterbacks here, a guy who I got to admit, guys, I was surprised to see him as high in the season-long quarterback rankings as he was, uh, just because there's been very little uh, explosion in his passing game and in his offense this season. It's Tom Brady, Uh, but he is at QB 14 on the season. Jake, you've got him QB 13 this week against the Cowboys. Brandon down at QB 12. He's at just 6.8 yards per attempt on the season. Jake, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, What really goes in it to what mostly drives your ranking of Brady as effectively a low-end QB 1 this week? Oh, it's just ancillary pieces. You see what I did there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, There you go. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) Ben Watson, for example? Yeah, no. That's actually the problem this year. I I actually think that last week's game, Tom Brady and Carson Wentz, are similar, not, you know, obviously styles or anything, but similar problem-wise. If you look at their teams, they have one guy, and that's it. Like He has Julian Edelman. Mohamed Sanu apparently got banged up, and he also missed practice today, so apparently that was more the problem than anything. But, you know, it's Sanu, it's Dorsett, as you said, Ben Watson at tight end. Yes, he has James White at the backfield, but, I mean, the flip side, Carson Wentz, same thing. So he has no Alshon Jeffrey last week. He really only has Zach Ertz. You can make an argument for Dallas Goddard, but put Goddard in that, like, Sanu kind of Dorsett conversation. Sanders at the backfield like a James White. And they're on, it's a similar situation. They're dealing with one talent and a bunch of pieces that shouldn't be asked to be doing as much as they're doing because of injuries or because of talent. You know, the one was the Patriots lost Antonio Brown on the flip side. You know, there's no Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson for Carson Wentz. So this is maybe he doesn't deserve to be this high. The Cowboys are middle of the road when it comes to pass defense for quarterbacks. And you watch Tom Brady in that game. He didn't look great throwing some of those balls in the ground, but it's also Tom Brady. And I think part of it is, at this point, maybe we shouldn't of his career anymore, but I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially coming off a loss, especially coming with a team that knows how to get things right better than anybody back at home. I'm sure the first thing he and Bill Jack did was start going to the film room. He probably was practicing on the plane. I mean, that's just how these guys are. And uh, so I'm just I think that's where I'm at now is just I'm still going to rank Tom Brady inside of the top 15, even if it's probably not the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with Jake. I don't know if I have a whole lot to add. They're back at home. I, I'm sure that they've, they've looked at that film and fixed some things. I feel like, uh, you know, even though you look at quarterback sacks, I feel like Philly's uh, defensive line is just more talented. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of pressure on Brady. He was flustered. I don't feel like back home in the comforts, uh, you know, there at, at Foxborough, and after kind of looking at things and making adjustments, he's going to be as bad as we saw. Uh, but I'm willing to admit, like Jake, that maybe I'm slightly too high on him. But again, we're talking about there's just a, a lot of sort of, uh, you know, not pretty sort of matchups or guys with experience after Brady uh, in the rankings this week. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a game that the whole country watches. It was just the uh, two games in that late window, one of them yeah, being two games. Yeah. Hey, man. You know, they love that. They wanted everyone. And the other choice is Jacksonville, Tennessee. Like, seriously. You know who who hates that? It's Scott Hansen. (laughs) All right. Oh, yes. Yeah. You got to figure out how to avoid those commercial breaks when there's, you know, two teams. Two games going, and they're going to be on commercial break all the time together. Right, right, and you you hardly need it too. I mean, with yeah. uh, with just the two games. I mean, if you've got Direct TV, you don't you don't need you don't need the isn't, Redstone Channel at all for isn't that. Cincinnati or Cleveland? You're, that's out by you, Beller. Isn't one of those in the next time zone? Out by or me. Do you, do, you have, do you? What's your sense of Midwest geography? 
No, that's you're you're Chicago. Yeah, well, man. Cleveland, Chicago, Illinois, Cincinnati, Cleveland. I know. Look, I've driven from one to the other. You're a <laughs> hell of a lot closer. Brandon's in Washington. I'm in Virginia Beach. So you're the closest person to tell me. I don't know off the top of my head. Is are both of those cities East Coast? I know one of them is. They're both in the Eastern Time Zone. Yes. Okay, so I was just I was just trying to think of something that they could have shifted. That's all I was going for. There. You know, you know, Jake, when you say Washington and Virginia Beach, most people in the United States think that we're neighbors. So is that how you refer to Washington, D.C.? It's like because I would actually out here, I would say D.C. I won't even include the Washington. I would say D.C. as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. Don't, don't try to confuse people. I lived in D.C. for like four and a half years, and I always did and still do call it D.C. Yeah. See, there you go. You're Brandon. You're the only person that calls Washington, D.C., Washington and confusing people. <laughs> It's right. it, it, it sounds like it could be a Twitter poll, a good Twitter poll. Yeah, not a bad. It's <laughs> you're you're subconsciously trying to build up the Washington State. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, let's head out west. Let's head out west for uh, for our last quarterback here, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you said it, Jake. Right? There's if there's one thing we know about Jimmy Garoppolo, it's that he can carve up the Arizona Cardinals because he's done it twice yes. this season. Both of those uh, in his, two of his last three games have come against Arizona. He's had big games in both of those. But that's pretty much all we've seen him as a star fantasy quarterback has been those two games. Obviously a tougher test, a much tougher test this week, Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Jake, you are at QB11 on Garoppolo. Brandon at QB14. Uh, Jake, we'll go to you first here. Um, I mean, I guess uh, the question is, can he do it against a non-Arizona team? I can, and this is with Kittle in the lineup. So we, during the show, found out that Kittle missed practice again. I would probably tick him down a few spots, uh, to be honest with everybody out there that's listening right now. I mean, he can still do it. It's really going to come down to what does this team want to do week to week? I would right now put him behind Jeff Driscoll, uh, depending on what happens with some other practices. You know, we'll find out before tomorrow night with Jacoby Brissett. Depending on when you're listening, you might be listening, and it might be tonight if it's Thursday. I might put Brissett in front of Garoppolo as well and bump him in front of Tom Brady if T.Y. Hilton's definitively out there. And so there's going to be some fluctuation there. But if everybody's healthy, again, it doesn't sound like it, but I don't really know at this point with Shanahan. I hate to tell you this, but guess what? Nobody knows what Shanahan's going to do except for Shanahan. It's you know one week, he, and it's mostly against the Cardinals, but he'll go out there flinging the ball and call a pass-heavy game script. And the very next game, it'll be like, well, guess what? We can run the ball down everybody's throats, and that's what we're going to do. So as of right now, that's where he is. As I mentioned with Kittle and the situation with T.Y. Hilton, he probably slides back to one, two, so 13 or 14 for me. So now I'm in lockstep, as you like to say, with Brandon. Yeah, and you know, you asked the question, can you do it against somebody besides Arizona? And the answer is yes, he can do it against Cincinnati. And he did it against <laughs> Cincinnati with 196 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, by the way, Arizona and Cincinnati have given up the two highest quarterback ratings in the league this year. Uh, he's been pretty meh or worse against everybody else. And this is a lot better defense than both of those teams I just mentioned. It's another it's another primetime game. We saw him against Seattle kind of wilt in that game. Um did not look comfortable, and so I have that in the back of my mind as well because there's going to be a lot of eyes on this game, and can he handle that pressure, and can he handle a much better and more talented defense in the Green Bay Packers? I, I wouldn't bet QB1 stakes on it. So, uh, yeah, QB14 for mm, me. Stakes. Mm -hmm. Might have to have a stake tonight <laughs> after that, Brandon, uh, certainly. <laughs> we know one thing about a stake, never an ancillary part of a meal. Never. <laughs> always the main part. Always. Gotta love that. Uh, quarterbacks to take a chance on here in week 12. Brandon, we'll start with you. Oh, how about Nick Foles? 
you know, just going to D.D. Westbrook all day, as as Jake talked about, um, you know, 296 yards, two touchdowns. Tennessee, gosh, I think they've given up 300-yard passing game to like three of their last four quarterbacks they faced. Uh, they're exploitable. Nick Foles has a lot of talent at his disposal. And the nice thing about this offense, you know, they'll, they're going to try to get Leonard Fournette going on the ground again. But they'll have nice balance. That works out well uh, for scoring upside in my mind. So I think Nick Foles is a safe kind of sort of back-end QB1 consideration. I'm doing it again. Right back. Jeff Driscoll. We're doing it. Uh, yeah. What did I say last week? I'll say the same thing I said last week. He's Josh Allen. Everybody wants to use Josh Allen, and everybody's considering still using Josh Allen in what is probably the worst matchup of the season and down the stretch it gets really bad for Josh Allen. Hold it. Here you go, your option. Just go to Jeff Driscoll. Same guy. Any Poor man, Josh Allen, middle class no, Josh Allen. No. Same guy, Josh Allen. As in next the, door the, neighbor, the, Josh the, Allen? Yeah, the Cadre Olsen to Brian Hill doppelganger, Josh Allen. <laughs> okay. uh, and we know that that is uh not a bad matchup, not a matchup to be afraid of for uh, Dr- Jeff Driscoll this week with Detroit going to Washington. A few injuries to keep in mind at the quarterback position this week. I think we can safely rule out Matthew Stafford, Mitch Trubisky uh, dealing with his uh, hip injury supposedly uh, for the Bears. Uh, he uh, could be uh, could be out this week, would be Chase Daniel in his place. Does sound, however, like Trubisky is going to be able to to give it a go with the Bears hosting the Giants. And then Jameis Winston also does not sound like anything serious, but you might see his name on an injury report. You might see a questionable tag uh, on your uh, fantasy team, on your roster. So just keep that in mind. De- is dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury, but he should be good to go for the Buccaneers and for fantasy owners. Our last position is the tight end position, and we kicked this one off in Week 12 with our new favorite tight end, Jacob Hollister. Last two games for Seattle 12 catches on 16 targets for 99 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you here. Seems to just be Will Disley with a different name. Jake hates him, by the way. Who? Hollister? You you hate Hollister. You have him all the way down at tight end nine. Yeah. I hate him. (laughs) Tight end nine. What do you have him at? Tight end nine? How much higher do you have him? I have him at tight end six. I'm just just curious. I'm going to have to go look at your rankings and and see who you decided was. Yeah, yeah. That's because you're a homer. No, here's the problem. (laughs) I'm always a a reverse psychology Seahawks fan. I'm always. uh, Is that what it is? No, the problem. Here's why. I don't don't hate Jake Hollister as all. I just hate the situation with now Ed Dixon, Luke Wilson, Josh Gordon, all in the mix because two tight ends healthy, another one in the mix. Hollister should lead the way, but you got that many people now in the mix. Um, like Hollister has been the beneficiary of a need, and he's filling the need of no Will Disley, and that's exactly what he was doing. I'm not going to discredit him at all, but I mean, I thought tight end nine was pretty damn respectable for somebody that was not even existent four weeks ago. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, and you know, and that's it's a bit of a concern. They don't they don't throw to Luke Wilson a whole lot, even when he's healthy. Ed Dixon, we'll see because he's been out most of the year, and he's really just you know lauded for his blocking ability. But he has you know he has made some plays. Right, it in snaps. Snap. Yeah, it snaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to given the landscape. You know, and uh, I'm guessing because I got them all the way at six. There's some good tight ends out this week. And Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Rudolph has been hot, I guess, explains explains away why I have them up no, at six. Okay. But I'm going to take a chance on a guy who's coming off 10 targets. Um, 
and you know has three touchdowns in the last two games and the Seahawks are always looking for their opportunities to especially with a, a athletic tight end like Hollister where they can run him up the seam they love the, those plays where they can just release that tight end uh, in line straight up the field and you know maybe get a, a big 20 30 yard play out of it they like to look to the tight ends in the red zone so I will I will just you know I will worry a little bit about the extra tight ends but I still think he has top six upside. You want the kicker? Not that kind of kicker. You want the kicker to this? By the way, you take out you take out George Kittle and Evan Ingram, he ends up number seven. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's uh, which I did not rank either of those guys. Uh, oh, so there you go. So one spot. (laughs) Yeah, so pretty much exactly. So you both do you both hate him or do you both love him then? Why why do you hate him, Brandon? (laughs) (laughs) We're fairly indifferent on him. You know, I think that's where we've settled. Uh, Seahawks and Eagles, uh, that game in Philadelphia. Yeah, that was the that was the original Sunday night game getting flexed out for Packers and uh, 49ers. So that game now kicking off at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 23.25 implied total for the Seattle Seahawks as one and a half point underdogs against Philly. Noah Fant, the next tight end to talk about here over his last two games, 15 targets, seven catches, 175 yards and a touchdown. His snap rate has increased considerably since the team traded Emmanuel Sanders. Brandon, want to start with you here. You've been beating the Noah Fant drum for most of the season. Is he a part of your tight end circle of trust at this point? Yeah, it's probably a waste of energy a little bit. I mean, it's been, you know, there's been some nice developments of late and certainly getting the 11 targets uh, last last time out was nice, but only four catches. And that's kind of the problem with Noah Fant is like he's been on the field a lot. He's just still learning the position and athleticism is great, um, but he's raw in terms of just knowing the nuances of the position and you're going to get inconsistencies. I'm just this week going to be willing to take a chance on the athleticism on the usage. As I mentioned with the double digit targets, I'm not expecting a whole lot because the matchup's tough, but he has that ability to make a big play. And if he's going to be looked at that often, uh, that's better than a lot of tight ends in terms of what kind of case they can make for being out there in your roster this week. Yeah, what a surprise! The rookie tight end struggles with all those things. Not saying I'm not coming after you. You're just 100 percent right. This is what you should expect for rookie tight ends. As Barkley gets upset over apparently for me discrediting <laughs> a rookie tight end. Uh, but here's the, what I put, and so I don't have one to take a chance. I'll throw another one if we need to. But this is what I had as my sleeper for the week because at least since they traded Emmanuel Sanders, snap percentage 82, 86, or 86, 86 two weeks in a row. The snap target percentage. So this is the amount of times he's targeted per snap 15 percent nine percent 16 percent and the team target percentage 20 28 27 so he's being used he's getting the opportunities that's the volume that we would want any tight end to have and be happy about it the only problem is brandon allen this offense the team the inexperience is why it's not more productive than what it is so far yeah it's uh it's definitely a a tough matchup with buffalo but uh, you gotta like the uh the usage as you uh as you alluded to there jake for noah fant over the last uh few weeks there and the athleticism always something he's going to bring to the table last guy we're going to talk about before we ask you to take a chance on a tight end and uh, it's a fun one because this is a monster difference of opinion between you two guys especially uh at a onesie position like tight end it is ryan griffin this guy's got double digit ppr points in three of his last four games in those three games 15 catches for 225 yards and three touchdowns brandon's buying a tight end five for ryan griffin (laughs) jake is selling hard tight end 15 for ryan griffin jake why so low 
Well, he's really tied in 13, by the way, since you take out. Yeah, hey, we could put him oh, in tight end okay. 13. Tight end 13. <laughs> All right, tight end 13. Still super low. Uh, just it's the names in front of him. I'm still. I maybe I'm stupid, but I'm I'm gonna play David Njoku over first game back. I'll play Vance McDonald as the number two option in that team. Gerald Everett, if he's 100 percent now, so he can move up another spot. If Gerald Everett, if Gerald Everett's 50 percent like he was last week. I'd rather play him than Gerald Everett. But I have Fant in front of him. Goddard, Hollister, we talked about, and then it's up from there. I understand the appeal. My biggest problem is not even so much Ryan Griffin. It's Sam Darnold. I think way too many people are jumping on a bandwagon after one good game against the friggin' Redskins of everybody. He didn't have a good game against the Giants. Look at him passing. He scored fantasy because he got a rushing touchdown. But for going against the Giants defense, which is just as exploitable as the Redskins are, he didn't have a good game. And Sam Darnold hasn't had a good season, period. He's had one good game. It's against the Redskins. And here's what I noticed about the Raiders. The past two weeks, similar to the Atlanta Falcons, getting so much pressure on the quarterback, sacks double digits, QB hits over 20, pass deflections near 20, tackles for a loss around 20. They're just destroying it. And what's the one common thing that the Jets have with the two previous opponents that the Raiders have faced? Yeah, the Bengals are terrible, but all three of the, well, the two games going in and the game right now, terrible offensive lines. You get pressure on Sam Darnold, he's going to see ghosts again. They're going to come back. They're just going to be in black and silver this time. I don't know, man. It's just not it's just not the kind of position where I'm gonna ignore three really good games in the last four. And if I think about a team getting pressure on the quarterback, then I'm thinking about the short and intermediate range options that that quarterback would have at his disposal. I just uh, just the way Ryan Griffin's been rolling, uh, just the numbers that Oakland's been giving. I don't think they've been good at defending the tight end since John Madden left that team. Um, they just I mean the Jack Del Rio years were terrible. The last Here we time are and Darnold was good. <laughs> you talk about Sam Darnold Sr. I mean, there is one. That to be. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to chase those. I'm just going to chase all the numbers, the Ryan Griffin numbers, the Oakland Raiders against tight end numbers. And, uh, you know, I think you're conjuring a narrative that you feel comfortable with, but I, I think if you're just going to look at this uh, analytically, you know, I, 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 I am like- looking at that's not a narrative. That's analytically. I just gave you all the stats. Narrative would just be Sam Darnold stinks. No, I gave you the you're just saying, like you're just you're saying that there's going to be a ton of pressure on him, and but yes, I just don't. Again, stats. I don't know that that is a negative for Ryan Griffin. It might be a negative for Robbie Anderson in in deep balls and, and stuff. No, like there's that. no po- that's, there's no positive for Robbie Anderson at this. There's no nothing in her. Like one catch for six yards and a touchdown. There's nothing left to be. Believe me, Robbie I had him. A, I had him. I take a chance short list, and I just scribbled him out. I was like, no, <laughs> Sam Darnold. Not- <laughs> I'll, I'll take find me some Vegas lines so I can bet under two. 50 under two touchdowns over an interception over like do it please i want all the anti sam darnold it's just under. no i look hey i i'm gonna give credit to my buddy like i've been paying attention to the raiders since the past couple games in general but he even pointed out now the guy's name is escaping me is the white defensive end that they just drafted has been Max amazing Max yes Crosby. the past two games has just been terrific and i'm telling you that entire game there was no time for Ryan Finley to think and not that Sam Darnold is Ryan Finley, but if you don't give Ryan or Sam Darnold time to think that that's all I'm going with. And that's, that's not narrative. I'll give you narrative in the fact that I still hate his face. <laughs> now that is a narrative <laughs> that we can send us into our last topic of the day. And it is tight ends to take a chance on Jake. I know you already wanted to say Noah fan. You, you gotta have one more for us. You got to. 
Yeah, I'll give you Thursday Night Football. Jack Doyle. No Eric Ebron. Everybody's concerned and scared. And like I, the most common comment I got about tight ends, you're not scared of Jack Doyle after zero last week? Look, like, this is the tight end position. You can get zeros from anybody at this point outside of the like three or four elites. Even Delaney Walker has been quiet. No zeros, but he's been quiet until recently. Mark Andrews was quiet. People were panicking about him. It's tight ends. Come on. But you're going to give me no Eric Ebron? Jack Doyle... I don't see how he's not inside the top 10 with no Eric Ebron in this game. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, yeah, generally don't take a chance on a tight end. Have a good one at your disposal. Uh, <laughs> Jack Doyle Jack is a good player. I guess I'll throw a camera. Brandon just said you should have been a better owner to this point. Is basically <laughs> yes, exactly. That's really the point there. Um, I guess Cameron Bray, 14 targets. Uh, OJ Howard gets benched for a drop. It's Atlanta. They're kind of middle of the road against tight ends. I mean, we're, this is called taking a chance, and so that's what you have to do. And 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 you know we're kind of taking it to the hilt here with uh, taking a chance on a tight end because if you really really are rolling the dice when you get into the Jack Doyle and Cameron Brait world, and and I'm not going to try to pull Jack Doyle down into Brait's world, but I'm just saying these are guys outside the top ten, and that's a very uh, those are very uh, choppy waters for sure. Could I don't have know about e- you, Mike, but I just heard that he hates Jack Doyle. That's that's what I heard. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I'm all the way in the Midwest, where it seems, it seems like neither of you guys even know where it is, and I could hear how much he hates Jack Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> that's in like the like the like Hawaiian I, time zone, right? <laughs> I'm uh, on record a lot with a lot of love for Jack Doyle out there over the years. So he doesn't get it straight. He doesn't hate Jack Doyle. I don't do don't he, say he hates Jack Doyle. <laughs> If he only played on the East Coast, or well, I guess the West Coast, Brandon. Hey, he's, a, he's, in, he's in the Eastern time zone too. He's in the Eastern time zone too. <laughs> See, I knew that one. There you go. You know, Indianapolis is west of Ohio, right? I also know it's further west than Chicago. No, it's not. Or one of them is. And I promise you, or that Chicago. Either. Wait, what's the weird one? What's the one where you wouldn't think it? Is it the other way around? Is it Chicago's west at? What's the one where it's like you go straight down? Because I was in South Bend, and that was what my buddy was telling me. I wasn't paying that much attention, obviously. It's geography. So Indianapolis is south of South Bend. It's like okay. Uh, yeah, I would, if you put those on a test, I would get them right just because I'd know it would be a trick question. Why would you be asking something <laughs> like that? You know, So I, yeah. I would get it right. But if you I knew that going in. So maybe that's what it is. Chicago's west of Indianapolis is the weird it part is. about it. Like if you think about it on a map, is that the weird? Is that the weird one? It's northwest of Indianapolis, but it's west of Indianapolis. I don't, I don't care anymore. I stopped paying attention. You know, Indiana, Indianapolis <laughs> is in Indiana, which is nobody's even listening anymore. Of Illinois, <laughs> this has been ask- Midwest Geography <laughs> Theater with Michael Beller. Thank hey, you. I could do you. You give me a blank United States map, and I could do that. Just don't ask me this. Uh, now we're talking about cities, and that's the problem. Don't ask me time zones. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get this going at FSGA for sure in January. But <laughs> where then- in the world is Carmen San Diego? Everybody remembers that TV show. I used to oh, get yeah. so mad at those damn kids. <laughs> Stupid kids don't know anything. Oh, let the guys guy sign off. Africa, let the guys sign back. off, Jake. He's trying to sign off on this podcast. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Nobody's listening now anyway. <laughs> now we're just talking to each other. Uh, well, let me, let me tell you guys about a few uh, tight end injuries that we want to uh, keep in mind. Uh, we know Austin Hooper already been ruled out with his knee injury. Sounds like David Njoku is going to be able to get back with his wrist. As we said, Eric Ebron also going to be out on Thursday night with his ankle injury. Things not looking great for Evan Ingram or George Kittle either. Looking better for Ingram than they are for Kittle at this point. But you're going to want to watch those two teams and their practice reports over the next couple of days. Now, with that all out of the way, injuries to every position, a bunch of guys who we talked about, a little bit of geography, we can officially sign off on this edition 
of the ranking show here at The Athletic. Thank you all for listening and bearing with us. You can get Jake at All In Kid. You can get Brandon at Brandon Funston. And I am at M. Beller. Theathletic.com slash The Ranking Show will get you 40% off a subscription. It'll also get you access to Jake's rankings, which we know will be updated all the way up until kickoff on Sunday. Geography not included. Thank you all for listening. For Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great week.